um, you know, molested me and he sexually abused me and he took advantage of me. At 15 years old, I, my whole entire life just crumbled before my eyes. Welcome to Reclaiming Back My Life podcast, where we share inspiring stories of individuals with you who took control of their life despite tragedy happening to them. This is episode number four, and we have Chris Felix from Fit Ministry who was sexually abused growing up. Chris Felix has an amazing story on how he used forgiveness to overcome that pain that he experienced growing up. Chris Felix go around Malaysia sharing his story of how he was sexually abused, inspiring young people to come up and to open up of their story and to preach a message of love, hope, and forgiveness. My name is Jameson Tan and I'm your host today, a psychology graduate come life coach who is seeking out individuals with inspiring stories so that we can compile these stories and share it with you so you too can start reclaiming back your life and live a life of passion and purpose. So let's jump into the interview with Chris Felix. We have a story to share. We have a testimony and I think the world has to hear our story. I think stories is the one that's going to get people connected and uh, people are inspired by people's life story. And uh, I believe that God has done something amazing in my life. And that's how I began ministry. Mm. I had a story to share. And uh, anywhere, any parish, any youth ministry that gave me the opportunity to share my story, I would, I would make myself available. Um, not for myself, but to give hope to also tell young people that they don't need to live in this sense of depression, this, this sense of sadness. That all of us go through life circumstances and we can overcome mm. all this. Yeah. yeah, amazing, yeah. When was the, what was the youngest you can remember when you first shared your testimony, first right. ever? And where was it? Right, right. Um, I think this particular story of my, you know, of my abuse was at age 19 years old. It was a youth camp. Yeah, it was in Dominic Villa, um, Genting Highlands. And um, the reason why I shared my story, um, you know, Jameson, was because during the whole entire camp, I had heard a lot of the stories of the young people. And the young people were struggling in terms of um, depression. Some had suicidal tendencies, suicidal thoughts. And these were teenagers, right? These were all teenagers. For my own, from my own parish, and um, hearing this all, you know, something stirred inside of me, because I experienced this pain, I experienced this sadness, I experienced trauma in my life, and I wanted to share with them the hope that I had received, the healing that I had received, um, this area of forgiveness that I was able to uh, go through to overcome, and I, I believe that through my testimony, some people, you know. Um, they were touched by it and they came, um, they came up to me and they shared, you know, how the stories actually really impacted awesome. their life. Awesome. Yeah, so that was good. I would love for you to share the story that you shared in uh, Genting Highlands with yes. Dominic also. So yes. yeah, bro, can you give us like what happened, yeah. the run-through of the incident? Definitely, definitely. Um, so a little bit of background of uh, where I come from and um, uh, my past. I actually come from a very Catholic family. Uh, my dad and my mom were born Catholic, raised Catholic, and uh, my brother and I grew up in this environment that was very, very prayerful. Uh, my father and mother, of course, were very devout uh, Christians, devout Catholics, and um, they ensured that John and I, my brother and I, 
grew up in this faith also. So at a very young age, you know, they made sure that we would wake up early to go for Sunday Mass, to go for Sunday school, to go for community prayer meetings and whatnot. And uh, my dad is actually a drummer. My mom is a piano teacher. And so they, they tried to, you know, get my brother and I to serve in the choir and serve in the music ministry. And that's how my background of me, you know, mm. being involved in the church. So at 10 years old, I was very, very involved in the choir, played together with my whole entire family. Did you feel like, uh, sorry, did, yes, did you ahead. feel like you were forced to do it or it was like were very willing to like, oh, I want to do it? Because yeah, I think when you were yeah, young, yep. I think the, the really, or could, perhaps like I would say mm-hmm. from my experience when I yep. was younger, there was no relationship with God. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. going to church for me was like, why do I have to wake up on a Sunday yeah, and, yeah. you know, go for this class, which mm. I didn't really learn anything, mm, you know, mm, that kind of stuff. So for you, right. was it like, when you were 10 years old, it was like, oh, yes, I want to go. I'm so yeah. excited for this. I think you're talking about excitement. Uh, maybe I wasn't excited about my faith <laughs> back then, to be honest with you. You know, I, you know, I, I was uh, actually going through the motions. I, I love music, you know, James. I love music. Um, my, my, I come from a very musically uh, talented family. My, my dad's uh, two brothers are professional drummers. And, and that actually attracted me more than, you know, maybe going for mass and going for Sunday school. Oh, an opportunity for me to be behind the drums okay, or, right, you know, right, play the yeah. bass or play the guitar, you know. But uh, I think that also helped me because later on, music would be something uh, that I would share with the world, you know, it will be my voice. Mm. That before I can speak anything, you know, music was actually that medium um, to actually attract young people. Mm. Mm. And through that attraction, I was able to share my story, you know. And um, so what happened is that uh, I got involved in the church at a very young age. And, you know, my my concept of God was more of the faith of my parents. Oh, my, my parents believe in this. Uh, in God and it was all great for them you know of course they would uh, do their best to pass on the faith to me and they were great great witnesses you know and I was like you know skeptical you know I was like oh okay I'm just gonna go through the motions Mm. but I think at the age of 15 years old which was about almost uh, 22 years ago something happened that would change my whole entire perception of who God is and uh, would actually affect me um, in the years to come. So as I was going to a friend's house, this particular stranger stopped me. And uh, this stranger whom I've never met before, I've never seen uh, in my whole entire life, uh, started off a conversation with me. And uh, one thing led to another, he needed some help, and uh, you know maybe I felt a little bit of a sympathy towards this particular person, so I followed him uh, in the precept of wanting to help him. And as I followed him, um, you know, something was tugging inside of me and said, you know, is this the best thing to do? But um, I, I, I continued to uh, follow him and uh, to cut the long story short, when I arrived at this place, this, actually, this person actually, um, you know, molested me and he sexually abused me and he took advantage of me. And um, at 15 years old, I, my whole entire life just crumbled before my eyes because suddenly, I had all the questions to ask God, you know. God, why, why did this happen to me? I'd serve you faithfully since I was 10 years old. My family was in, in the church, very, very active in, 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 in the choir, in the music ministry. Why did this happen to me? 
And you know, I, 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 I struggle with, with this question inside of me and you know, during this time, I had also, you know, thoughts of suicide, you know, I thought of like, you know, if there's no meaning in life, better I just, you know, take, take my, my life. But I praise and thank God because I remembered every single thing that my parents taught me. I remember everything that my Sunday school teachers taught me. I remember everything that my elders and my leaders, my youth ministry uh, leaders taught me and said that God is love. And so at that point I had to make a choice. Was I going to run towards this God who is supposed to be the very expression of love and uh, you know, run towards the community and run towards the church or run away from God? And I thank God maybe for the prayers of my parents, you know. Parents always praying for me that through their prayers and through God's grace, I actually ran towards God. I, I got a yeah. question, like, you yeah. know, when you were, when the incident happened, the sexual yes. abuse and you were molested, right, yes. at 15 years old, and your yeah. world was crumbling. Mm. How could you still think about the love of God? I mean, mm. at that particular juncture, like, you see, you were suicidal, you know, yeah. you fall into depression. Yeah. Man, like... Mm. I can never imagine like, you know what was going through your life, what was going through your thoughts, but so like how, were you able to to discover that love or, Mm. like you said you were running, you had two options, right? Either to run to God for love Mm. or to run away. I think a lot of people would choose to run away uh, Mm. because God didn't protect them in the the first Mm, place. mm, mm, Prevent that incident from happening. So like, yeah man, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe before, I had not, truly encountered God in an intimate and in, in, a, in a personal way. And so I had to discover Him for myself. You know, it was not just the fate of my parents or my grandparents, but I had to take ownership of this fate. And so when I made that decision, you know, I'm going to say, God, I'm going to give you a chance to reveal yourself to me. And um, I remember going for one particular camp, you know, and I it was just maybe about a month or so after what had happened, you know. And during the, the inner healing session, it was when I truly experienced the love of God for the first time. It was no more a hate thing. For Sunday school, you know, sometimes you just learn that God is love, God is love. Where, Jesus where, loves me yeah, because the, I know. <laughs> for the Bible <laughs> tells me so. <laughs> you know, and, and so for the first time, I experienced the love of God inside my heart, you know. And, a particular saint said this, you know, he said that the longest journey is from the head to the heart. And I think doing that just one month or so, that journey was happening from my head to my heart. And for the very first time during the inner healing session, I felt the tremendous love of God, the tremendous healing of God when I opened up my heart to Him, when I began this process of healing, uh, when I started to say, yes, I'm going to choose to decide to forgive this particular person. I'm going to choose to forgive God. I'm going to choose to forgive myself. Mm. And so that began this journey of discovering who God is and His plan you know, for my life. I like you say, like, yeah. you, forgive, you, you choose to forgive God, your, the, God the person who did it to mm. you, and yourself. Yeah. Um, I think not too long ago, I was just... Uh, the first podcast ever that we, we did was with Deacon Samuel and yes. he also shared something very similar. He said he felt guilty, he felt mm. shame and that got me yeah. thinking, you know, like, like, you know, 
Vegan, why why did you feel shame? I mean, mm. you didn't do anything wrong. Mm. The guy preyed on you, and you know you were just yeah. defenseless. Yeah. So like similarly, man. Like, right. how, why did you choose to forgive yourself, man? Because you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So could you share a little bit on that, bro? Yeah. I think that's an excellent point that you're bringing up, Jameson. Because I think as victims of you know abuse, there is the tendency to believe in the lie that is my fault. Mm. Right. That I could have done something different. Instead of talking to this person, I could have maybe you know ignored him, or uh, instead of uh, you know following him, I could have gone the other direction. You know, so many possibilities that sometimes you replay in your mind, and I think sometimes when you entertain this negativity or you entertain these lies, you get into this black hole that you sometimes never come out if somebody doesn't. Help you out mm. or speak truth into your life. Yeah. And so, at 15 years old, of course, I was going to blame myself because nobody told me that it was not my fault. Nobody told me that, you know, that I was the victim in this. Mm. And so, I began to believe the lies, you know, the lies that this is actually, you know, I deserve this, you know, I should have gone somewhere else, I should have ran, I should have said something, but I didn't. And so I think that's so so important that in this moment, that you need to tell somebody. Mm. You need to tell and confide in somebody that you trust, um, and not allow the thoughts to actually dictate and allow you to go further into this rut. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Dickon did share about like you need to take control of your thoughts. Yeah. You know, you need to feed it. You know, yeah. constantly. Going back to the incident, like mm. how did it impact you? You know, mentally, psychologically. Emotionally, physically, mm. how do you impact you? Okay. How do you shape your? How do you shape you uh, mm. to who you are today? Yeah, you know, it it um it had a definitely a negative effect on a few areas of my life. I think one negative effect was that because I felt powerless in this particular um, incident. You know, um, Jameson, I actually have a a pum belt or a black belt in taekwondo, mm, okay. but. Until until that that time, you know, I was 15 years old. But you know, suddenly I just froze, and so you felt powerless. Um, you know, I I I felt powerless, and so there was a negative effect that I had to receive healing in. You know, this particular trauma that I I I received, and you know, I had to understand first the truth of the matter that it wasn't you know it wasn't my fault. I think another. Uh, effect negative effect that it it also messed up my own um, sexuality also my own um, the way how I look at maybe um, you know the opposite sex you know and um, I was thinking to myself you know if I cannot take care of myself how am I going to take care of another particular person if God calls me to the vocation of marriage how am I going to defend her how am I going to protect her and I had to Come to terms with all these, you know, all these lies that were I was feeding myself. You know, I was my own worst enemy. And so, as I received healing in this particular area, I began to to understand God's plan for me and my own sexuality. And I didn't need to fear being in a relationship. Mm. You know, one very very important thing that I've heard over the past many years is that I need to starve my fears and feed my faith. Stuff my fears and feed my faith, and as begin to feed my faith with truth, 
as I began to feed my faith with, with people alongside of me who would speak truth into my life, I began to have faith that, yes, I can get into a relationship and have a healthy relationship. Not only that, I can have a healthy relationship with God. I can have a healthy relationship of how I look at myself. So that's something that I really, really hold on to. Um, I love that quote. Yeah. No. Was it from you? No, no, no. no. I, I heard it. No, no, no. I, oh, I heard it from somebody else. I heard it from somebody else. Really? Yes. Yeah. Starve your fears and feed your faith. Yeah. I think yeah. it's so applicable to every aspect, yeah. every every level, every season in our yeah. life. Yes. And you mentioned like to feed our faith mm. is to con- take control of our thoughts mm. and also to be surrounded in the community yeah. that we are in. Yes. What other ways like? Mm. What you recommend for someone to feed their faith, you know, mm. faith in themselves, faith in, you know, their, their, there's hope, yeah. uh, and there's a purpose for them. How, what are the ways would they would you recommend? Yeah. So? you see, faith is a is a verb, so it's an action word, uh-huh. right? So you need to do something in order to increase your faith, right? So as you know, Jameson, you always say that you know you have to be purposeful about your growth, yeah, right? Yeah, you have to yeah. be pur- purposeful about your growth, and so faith and belief is actually similar. In order to have faith and belief in God, you need to know who He is. You need to begin to trust Him. And the more you get to know who God is, the more you believe in Him, the more you have faith in Him. And so, I think that really helped me a lot. Uh, spending a lot of time knowing and understanding God's plan for my life. Mm. Understanding who God says I am. God says that I am His son, that I am His child, that I am His beloved. You know, that before the world was formed, he knew me. Uh, I, I was knitted in his mother's, uh, yeah, I was knitted in my mother's womb. You know, and all these things really helped me to increase my faith in God. You know, I began to look at myself very, very differently because my identity was not in this particular incident. This incident did not dictate who I was. Mm-hmm. This incident didn't define you. Didn't define me at all. You know, I was defined by God's love for me, by who God made me. You know, I was His child. I was His son, and so that has really, really helped me. And surrounding myself, so so important with uh, uh, a group of brothers, a group of uh, uh, friends and community, that has really helped me discover, you know, my own purpose in my life and to continue to speak truth in my life. You know, every time when I, you know, my parents have been, of course, very, very supportive in my own journey. When I open up to them about this particular incident, you know, my dad said the first thing out of his words was, "You need to forgive. You need to forgive this particular person." And you know, looking back at it, I think if I was in my father's situation, you know, and my son, I don't know whether the first words would be that. You know, I would probably want to, you know. Cause some harm to this person. I will, you know, yeah, you know, exactly all these things, you know. But the first thing, my dad and I, I look at it about how important that words were in my life, because my dad recognized that if I had hold on to this hurt, hold on to this pain and trauma, I wouldn't have moved on. Yeah, you wouldn't have grown. I wouldn't have grown, and in order for me to move on in life, I had to forgive. And through that forgiveness, begin my process of healing, and you know, come out of this a uh, better, a stronger person. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. I think you're, you're, wow. Yeah. I think it sounds like, like wow. You know, like oh yeah, that's how 
I mean, someone who never go put themselves in your shoes, right? Yeah. Say, oh, that's 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 quite easy. But I think there's a lot of a lot of the pain and the, the challenges, the constant like the thoughts that plays in our minds, like you mm-hmm. know, uh, if I am worthy, if you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, does this define me? And I think it was a, a period of time even before mm-hmm. you could. Um, really break free from this and mm. to really say you know this doesn't define me like yeah. you mentioned yeah. Um, yeah I want to go back to I think that in the beginning you shared a little bit about uh, you you going back walking and then you saw this guy uh, can you walk us through that period and mm. you, you shared uh, later then can you share like what happened uh, walk us through mm. uh, what happened you know from that that period mm. and how did your parents found out or, mm. or did you share with somebody yep. and uh, what happened next like you said yep. your dad asked you to forgive right yep. yeah I think that's amazing yep. so, yep. yeah. so the just to go into a little bit of the details you see um, during that time when I was 15 years old I had a BMX bike okay and I had this BMX bike from Australia and I used to I ride my bicycle around, you know, I love doing that, you know, there's a little bit of a freedom for my house, you know, I ride to school and whatnot. So I actually had gone to a friend's house when this particular day had happened, I was cycling and all that. And when I met this particular uh, a stranger, um, he kind of like stopped me and he was on a, on a, on a motorbike. And uh, we, he was trying to strike up a conversation, you know, um, I think that, you know, maybe in my own um, my own conversation with him, it seemed that he needed some help. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to try to help this guy. Lah. You know, even though something was telling me that maybe it's not a wise thing to talk to strangers, but I thought, ah, maybe this guy needs my help. Okay, never mind. Um, let me go and, go and help him. And so as I, as I followed him on my bicycle, you know, something was tugging inside of me. Hey, you're following a stranger, you know. But, you know, I just didn't entertain those thoughts, you know. Just continue following. I said, oh, no, I'm helping him. It's a good thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I remember when I went back to his place, which was not too far away from my friend's uh, house, this, this whole entire incident happened. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, Jameson, I, I, I froze. Not only I froze, but I didn't know what to do. I, I was a little bit afraid to tell my parents. Even though I have a very close relationship with my parents, I was uh, actually afraid that they would take away my bicycle. <laughs> Looking back at it, maybe it was not the wisest thing to do. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the next day when I, when I was in, actually in community gathering, you know, I, I opened up to a, a fellow brother of mine and I told him what happened. And eventually, there was other brothers that I had spoken to. And, um, you know, I was still struggling with this and I, and I opened up to him, you know. And um, this particular brother of mine, he actually told his father and the father actually told... Um, my own, my own parents. Thank God he told you. And thank God, you know. Tell his father. Right? Exactly, exactly. Because I think he knew that there was something that was wrong, you know. So this was maybe one or two days after that. And so what happened after that, my father actually approached me and, you know, when, when, he, when he asked me, Chris, I, I, I heard something happen, um, you know, and, and I, I knew exactly what it was. Um, uh, I knew exactly what he was, you know, talking about. And so, you know, when he said that, I, I didn't say anything. I just immediately just broke down in front of my father. You know, I just immediately broke down. And um, it, it was during that time, I think there was no words between my father. My father just helped me and my mom was there. And this was when, you know, when eventually when I, you know, I kind of like settled down and I, I was um, able to control myself that he said, you know, Chris, whatever that has happened, you have to forgive. 
And uh, I, I can really remember this, uh, Jameson, because that particular night, you know, Liverpool was playing Arsenal. <laughs> so, so, you know, my, my dad's an Arsenal fan. Now I'm a Liverpool fan, you know. So then we, after that, you know, my, my dad, initially, he prayed over me and together with my mom, and you know, they, they, they led me to this prayer of forgiveness, lah. Forgiving myself, forgiving God, and forgiving this particular person, and all that. And so there was just dead silence. And uh, we went down, we watched the TV. Yeah, it was Liverpool and Arsenal. My dad was just sitting across me. And I think just being present, he didn't have to say anything, he didn't have to do anything, but watching the game, you know, it was very, very comforting to know that I had a, a, a fantastic support group, you know, in my life. My parents weren't, you know, they didn't want to take away my bicycle, <laughs> you know, and, and all this. All of, so we watched the game, you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, Liverpool won that day. But <laughs> so it was a good win. But, um, you know, eventually, after that, um, I received counselling. Mm. I received uh, continuous healing. And that's when, you know, one, one month later, I went for that particular camp. And I had gone, you know, for, for inner healing sessions, for prayer ministry, you know, throughout that four-year period of my life. And every time when I had something that may be a disturbing thought, mm. a nightmare, um, a, 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 a probably a vision that was not, you know, that was bringing me back to this past, I straight away talked to my parents about it, about, mm. you know, my community, brothers, and uh, they began to speak truth into my life, you know, I said, no, and they continued to pray over me. And that really helped me in my own process of healing. Amazing. You know, um, I think I, I mentioned this before, you know, I said many a times people say, forgive and forget. But you know, Jameson, is so hard to forget. You know, what I say is forgive and remember. And if you truly forgive from the heart, every time I remember that particular incident right now, 12 years later, it doesn't hurt anymore. Because truly I have received my healing, yeah. you know? So I thank God for that. I think there's so many positive that comes out from it. Yeah. But remembering is that you know that you, you are capable of overcoming. Love. Yep. capable of overcoming you know uh, that God's love is mm. way much more than anything else in the world mm. and I think it's just so amazing that your dad the first thing your dad told, told you was to please you gotta forgive yeah I think any father you know that's like very counter-cultural right? counter mm. father father way of dealing with yeah. it doesn't go like Oh my gosh, you know, how could I allow this to my son? Yeah. You know, my son is just 14 years, 15 years yeah. old, man. You know, he cannot defend himself. He's a mm. teenager still. And why, you know, I'm pretty sure so your dad was like blaming himself in some ways. Like mm. he felt very, it's like, is there something that I could have done? Mm, mm, mm. Uh, but I think it was so much wisdom when your dad said, Chris, you just got to forgive. Yeah. I think in, in actual fact, the truth is that, like, you know, like yeah. the quote says, uh, I think Albert Einstein, uh, you know, uh, wishing harm to your enemy is like drinking poison, hoping for them to die. Yeah, I think similarly, like you know, all these cases, like you know, abuse that you experience, mm. or anger, or frustration that we feel in our life, and we just wishing harm on others. It's yeah. like oh, it's drinking poison, hoping for them to die. Yeah. So wow, man, so amazing. So yeah. like, so this affected you for four years before you can eventually overcome it. Mm. So four years, like throughout yeah. that four years, you had that thoughts, that flashbacks. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so every time when it happened, mm. you immediately feed yourself with positive thoughts. Yeah. So you went to your, your family, yeah. the community. And yeah. You no, know, what, 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 what do you go like? Hey, mom, dad, you know, uh, what do you do? Like, mm. hey, mom, dad, like, so that when people is going through something similar, they, yeah. they can do that in their life. So like, hey, mom, dad, I, mm. I, I'm feeling, yeah. I'm having that thought. So mm. like, how, how do yeah, you do yeah. it? Man? I think there needs to be an openness, lah, mm. you know, to find people, of course, definitely at the beginning stage, you know, I didn't tell, you know, the whole entire world, you mm. know, I, I had people whom I trust and um, it was just me being vulnerable and open on the emotions that I'm, I felt at, the, at that moment. I felt that sometimes that maybe I, um, you know, maybe wasn't good enough or sometimes I felt that, you know, these, these flashbacks were happening. You know, as I was open to my parents, it was easy for them to, okay, let's yeah, try to address correct. the root, right, the root. No, I, I, I said it, um, I think, before, you know, that good fruits come from good root, <coughs> bad fruits come from bad root. And I had to go back to the root of it. Was, be, was it because I was insecure or fearful or because I was traumatized was and manifested in, mm. you know, in, in love, in joy, in peace? And so, you know, I, I also wanted to say, you know, in the area of forgiveness, you know, Jameson, there's this Corey Ten Bloom who said this, and I, she was, if you look into her life, she was actually a, a World War survivor. And um, she said this, she said, forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. And what she's trying to say is that you and I, we need to choose to decide to want to forgive. And, and forgiveness is not saying that whatever that particular person did was right. No. That whatever that person did, taking advantage of me at such a young age, it is wrong, right? It is wrong. I'm not condoning that act when I forgive. And sometimes people forget that. People say, oh, when I forgive, I'm giving that person a right to, to do, do it again. Yeah. But more so, like you have said, you know, Unforgiveness is drinking poison, hoping that the other person dies. You see, that fella, whatever that happened, he continues to live his life. But if I continue to hold on to this hurt, this anger and resentment, I'm not allowing myself to be free and to be the person that God has made me to be. And so, the central thing to healing is forgiveness. And so I had to, to undergo through this process of healing and to decide. So once again, when all this thoughts came about, I decided to forgive him over and over and over So it wasn't again. like, uh, okay, I forgive you once, then, mm. okay, done. It's like every time mm. the thoughts came about, yeah. God, help me forgive. Because sometimes you feel like you, you, he doesn't need forgiveness, you know? Sometimes you say, why do I need to forgive this person? He's not even asking for it. Yeah, he's not even asking for it, you know? And I had to remind myself constantly that I needed to forgive myself, not for his sake, but for my sake, my sanity and my own holiness. And uh, so that's something that I've continued to discover over the past year. So during that four-year period, I believe that, you know, it was a time that God was, was really ministering to me. And eventually at 19 years old, I've shared my story um, for over now about nine years. Sorry, eight years, eight, eight, uh, eight, eight nine years. And um, it's a story not unique to everybody else. I think everybody else has their own story, their own life story. But I, I hope that I can share hope into li people's life that there is healing in Jesus' name. Yeah. It shows to reclaim back your life mm. by feeding positive thoughts mm. 
and seeking a community and forgiveness lah. So yep. the, the three areas that you, how you reclaim back your life was forgive, yes, uh, feeding positive thoughts, to truth, truth, yeah, to truth, to truth, yes, and through the community, yeah, continuous healing process mm. that you needed to take action. Yeah, yep. I, I I love what you said. Um, that you needed to be open emotionally mm, and mm, honest mm. with your parents of what happened. I yeah. think it was great that yeah. the brother that you shared and yeah. immediately told his father as father told yeah. him, hey, yeah. like real bros who don't do And I think thank God for that. Like it happened, it happened like immediately one two days yeah. uh, from the incident. Yeah. I think a lot of people who, who went through something very similar, like yeah. abuse or rape, mm. they you know like you said they feel shame. Yeah. They feel, they're not worthy, so they don't, they don't tell anybody about it. Mm. So you keep it to themselves, not even their parents. Yeah, the silence. The silence, mm. and I think the silence is killing them. Yeah. The, the secret of like what happened in my life. It is, it is. And then you know, and definitely you know, being affected by these kind of emotions, mm. right? These experiences. Yeah. Manifest in a way in our behaviorism, you know. Yeah. You know, it could be like, you know, we get agitated, we get angry mm. quick, and our parents are ah, just growing up and yeah. very rude and all that. Mm. I think oftentimes like. It would be great if those who experienced, you know, went through what you went through, to share with someone yeah. they trust. Yeah, could be a friend, or could be a parent. And I think, you know, from just hearing from you, I think it will give them tremendous amount of help, mm. where the parents can understand, can empathize, and say, okay, you know what? I'm not gonna blame you. I'm pretty sure the parents yeah. are not gonna blame them. Parents are like, okay, how can how can we help our son yeah. or daughter? Yeah. yeah. So right. what would be your, your, your message, bro? Like mm. to, I think the two messages. Like one is how how can someone who's similar situation with you, being yep. sexually abused or molested or even raped, uh, reclaim back their life, yep. the the individual and also the parents who might be listening to this. Yeah. You know how can they spot or what can how they can they approach this topic with their child mm. or you know their kid. And how can they help them overcome this? Yeah. yeah, think firstly to the parents, you know. I think as parents, more often than not, you are in close contact with your children on a day-to-day basis. And so, you need to be sensitive to them. When you see something is wrong, right, don't brush it aside. It could not even be rape, it could be something, you know, that's affecting them, you know, their studies or whatsoever, you know. But I think to when they recognize that something is wrong, they need to address it. And they need to sit down with them and say, okay, what's wrong? You're feeling this way, you're reacting this way. Is something happening to you? And I think by giving that space for that child to be open to them, you know, helps the child to be uh, more comfortable in sharing what is happening in their life. And so if there is something that is happening, just say for example, an abuse and all that, the children is able to you know, to answer and tell, okay, this is what's happened. I think parents also must be quick not to, not to brush it aside. Oh, you're just, um, you're just imagining it. Mm. Oh, no, your uncle did not do this. Oh, no, you know, the kind of thing. You know, it's, sometimes we just brush it off. But to really take um, whatever that the child has said with care and concern and to be more observant um, around what's happening, especially if, from what I've heard, you know, for for parents who have younger children, you should never ever allow your children to sit on an adult's lap. Mm. You know, whether it be men or, 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 or so these preventive measures help. You know, 
um, the parent to be observant of their child. You know, because like I said, sometimes in a, it can be in a family situation, it can be outside of the family situation. But if it had happened, if it has already happened, I think it's important for the parents to speak about it, to be open about it, and you know, really speak truth into the life of the child. Because that's what I needed to hear. I needed to hear who I am and who I am not because of this particular incident. You know, and so that's what my parents did. For those who have um, gone through this similar uh, abuse and you know being raped, I, I I think the message that I have is that it is not your fault. It's not your fault, and you cannot be silent about it. You have to speak up, and you have to talk to somebody who can help you through this. I think sometimes that silence is the worst thing that you can do. Silence is the worst thing that you can do. And as you begin to talk about it and receive counselling, you receive, you know, uh, maybe ministry, I think you are able to address this particular situation even better as compared to growing it by yourself. You know, it can, it can even be any sort of situation in your life. Lah. To find uh, friends, to find family, to find a community that you can be vulnerable, that you can be open with. Um, and the lastly, my message is that all of us, regardless of our age, we all have had injustices done to us, you know, whether it be you know, abuse or whatsoever. But we cannot allow our past to dictate our future. Mm. Most recently, Father Larry Richards, if you read, read about him, you know, he's, a, he's a priest, he's very, very straightforward, you know, and uh, in his book, Be a Man, Addressing to men, you know, he said that everyone has had a challenge in their life. Everyone. Nobody is free from challenges because we live in a world of sin. Sinful men, evil things happen. But when bad things happen to us, what is our response to that? Like, like you know, that response of running towards Jesus or running away from Him, mm. listening to truth or listening to lies. Are we going to respond with positivity or with negativity? Mm. And I think my message is for all of us to respond with hope, to respond um, with, with the knowledge that with this particular, whatever that has happened in my life, I have not allowed it to dictate who I am today. Mm. I'm able to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Is there like a final message you have? Um, yeah, I think the final message, if I can, if I can um, share with, uh, you know, with uh, everybody is, um, I think it's important to know who we are. Hmm. Um, identity. Our identity. There are four voices in the world. God's voice, the enemy's voice, Satan's voice, the world's voice and our own voice. We can be easily fooled to listen to Satan, um, listen to the world, listen to the lies of our own self. So we need to listen to what God has to say for us, to us. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much, Chris, for no sharing. No problem, Jason. I think like, wow, it's just amazing. I think what an amazing testimony that you shared. And you know, I, I love what you do and I, I pray and hope you continue to do it because I know that the impact that you're reaching out to people is tremendous. 
um, you know, all the young people who hear your testimony. It's funny thing, yesterday I was with my friend uh, yep. for a birthday yeah. and he said, oh, I got a podcast. He said, hey, your bro, want to hang out tomorrow? I said, no, I mean, I got a podcast. I said, oh, mm-hmm. with who? He's like, oh, Chris Felix. Oh, Chris Felix. Hey, that guy, that, that, the guy who, you know, he was like more like sexual yeah. abuse. Like, yeah, yeah, how oh, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he came to one of our events. He shared his testimony. Oh. Oh, man, amazing man, bro. This guy is a kid, killer. It's crazy. So I was like, oh, yo, amazing. So, like, oftentimes we, we, we think like uh, sharing our message is just like, oh, yeah, just sharing. Hopefully one or two will be impacted. But I think pretty sure, bro, if, you know, the, the amount of uh, sharings that you, you do, the camps that you run, I think the impact is definitely there. I think people are really, you know, I think it was Mother Teresa. People don't care. People don't care. People don't care how, people don't care what you do to them, but mm. how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. And I think you really make them feel that there's hope that they can take control of their life and there's, there's a reason to live with passion and purpose every day. And I want to thank you so much, Chris, for being that testimony, for being that, that, that icon or that individual role model who show everybody that, you know, despite what happened to you despite the, tra- mm. the circumstances the tragedy that took place in our life we have the ability to take control of our lives we have the ability to decide that this will not define me yeah. I will not feed my fear but I will feed my faith instead yeah. and I thank you Amen. so much Chris for sharing this message I think people will love this and thank you very thank much thank you so much Jameson thank you, God bless I <laughs> We have come to the end of the podcast and I hope you have been inspired to start reclaiming back your life. I'd like to invite you to this movement where we inspire one another to live a life of passion and purpose. Follow us on Facebook and share this video with someone today who will be inspired and start reclaiming back their life. I'll see you next week Thursday.